Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. Thank you for tuning into the Mage as well, your 101 guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Hello, Mages. I hope you're doing good and thank you for tuning in. So, today's episode is about sacred appropriation. It's something I've wanted to talk about for a long time and I think it's something that we have to talk about. Now, what I'm talking about today isn't an exhaustive list. I'm a white Western man, and by no means am I claiming to be perfect, but I am learning, and I'm trying, and I think there is so much work needing to be done around topics like this. These conversations are vital. Now, there may be some things that are uncomfortable, but again, this is necessary, and I want to read a quote to you by Holly Rose. Rather than getting protective we should be getting proactive. No one is expecting immediate perfection on the road of unwinding personal or societal decolonization and indentured racism. It's systematic, making up the very web of society we live in, which itself was born out of colonization. Now, spirituality is tricky. Even the word is tricky and has transformed over time Traditionally, it meant someone who could contact the spirit. Now, there's hundreds of definitions. Spirituality has become a marketplace, and trying to find a path or strain that works for you whilst not appropriating is a minefield, especially in a world of Instagram, Pinterest, and the internet. So what is appropriation? Everydayfeminism.com defines it as a process that takes a traditional practice from a marginalized group and turns it into something that benefits the dominant group, ultimately erasing its origins and meaning. Looking at this quote, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is Native American ceremonies and Buddha heads. 
and I think it comes from this feeling that I was talking about last week, this craving for the divine. The West sees other cultures teeming with it, and it wants a peace, because the West is disenchanted, and because after all, what is the West's heritage? The Abrahamic religions, with its strict rules and outcasting those who subscribe to a different lifestyle? The pagan, earth-based mystic traditions that the powerhouse religions wiped out as they saw them as a threat, and as a result we have very little knowledge of? Of course the West will appropriate. Of course it will try and take hold of traditions and whitewash them. The West is spiritually sick and starving, and scrabbling for a cure, knocking over and disregarding all other things in its pursuit. And it's disrespectful and offensive to the minorities that it's actively stealing from. So how do we build or how do we decolonize a practice that isn't harmful or disrespectful? Madame Omi Congo, her tumbler is Kalunga Avenue, where she talks about hoodoo and the importance of its tradition and ancestry, says, Ancestry is extremely important. It makes up our spiritual frame. It's where you get protection and strength and enhances the potency of your kunja and power to manifest. Ancestry is key. You may not know who your ancestors are, but it's worth looking into your heritage and your roots, as incredible power can be tapped from that, rather than borrowing from another's culture. For me, my heritage is Celtic. I plan to do that ancestry blood test to learn more about my family, where my bloodlines lie. But this is just my DNA. It doesn't mean that I get free reign if my blood is part indigenous to take whatever I want, whenever I want. Connection to the divine is uniquely personal and an individual process, but there's some good guidelines that we can all follow. I want to talk about terminology. Now, it's really important how we use words, and appropriation of sacred terminology isn't acceptable. I see people all the time using the word chakra as in namaste. Rather than chakra, let's use energy center. Namaste is spoken to acknowledge the divinity within someone that we all inherently have. I think as a good rule of thumb, if it's not your culture and not your language, step away from these terms. And another good pointer is, if you don't actually know the definition of the word, then maybe it's a sign that we shouldn't be using it. Shaman. Non-indigenous use of the word shaman is a hot one. To self-proclaim as a shaman is problematic for multiple reasons. It's a term others give as recognition. These titles come with years of preparation and training. And the term shaman relates to indigenous people whose profession can be traced back generations from that family. Shaman is particularly problematic as it's a term Western anthropologists coined to encompass a huge number of things. Each culture has its own unique name for these people who have a close connection to the divine. And to use one word to blank every culture is so dismissive and overlooks the nuances of each culture's beliefs and traditions. Roland Dixon, who was an anthropologist at the turn of the 20th century, said shamans were, quote, quote, that motley class of persons found in every savage community who are supposed to have closer relations to the supernatural than other men. The word clearly has connotations to race and ranking the different skin tones from levels of civilization to barbarianism. It's a really uncomfortable thought process. And also, modern-day shamans profiting from practices and medicines that have no connection to the culture they originate from and selling goods from a different culture is uncomfortable. Also, are the goods they're even selling ethically sourced? In 1993, the international Lakota community declared war against shamans and plastics, or exploiters of Lakota spirituality. 
they proclaimed, for too long we have suffered the unspeakable indignity of having our most precious Lakota ceremonies and spiritual practices desecrated, mocked and abused by non-Indian wannabes, hucksters, cultists, commercial profiteers and self-styled New Age shamans. In America, sacred practices were outlawed till 1978 and now they're being repackaged, rebranded and sold to anyone wanting to achieve enlightenment. Sidney Wilscoxon said, When land, rights, dignity and safety have already been jeopardised or stolen by the oppressing culture, often all the oppressed culture has left are their unique cultural practices. If you want to look into this more, I'd recommend looking at White Shaman, Plastic Medicine Man. Quote, You don't have to copy to show respect. And it's the same with the word guru. How many times have we seen beauty guru or business guru? Guru is a Sanskrit word that actually means teacher, yet the West has latched onto this idea and seems to think that it denotes an expert in a certain field. It's highly disrespectful, especially to place empty superficial terms before the word. And if it's self-appointed, they're not a guru. They may know how to apply lipstick really well, and fair play, I can't. <laughs> not that I've tried. But that doesn't have anything to do with being a guru. Smudging. Another awkward term as it relates to a specific ceremony that has been passed down through the generations. If you aren't an initiated Native American, then you cannot call it smudging when you burn the herbs of your choice. Call it instead a smoke cleanse. Palo Santo and White Sage. There is a huge call at the moment to stop using these herbs if they don't belong to your heritage. And Ecuador has declared a state of emergency with Palo Santo as the tree has become endangered due to New Age demand. White sage is sacred to numerous Native American tribes and shouldn't be used if you don't belong to them. It's also been declared as endangered. Whole food stocking it doesn't entitle you to imbibe it. Accessibility doesn't equate permission. Look at your roots in order to determine what herbs to burn. For me personally, with my Celtic heritage, I burn mugwort and pine. And connection to your own heritage is going to have far more power and a greater effect than borrowing from someone else's. And I'm going to be honest, there is a sense of loss here for me. Burning sage was one of my first practices. I've worked with it for many years and I love what it does. But it's disrespectful and I can't carry on with it. I will burn my reserves and work with other plants to achieve the same result without borrowing from another culture. Use this as an opportunity to find something else that works for you investigate. You might even come across something that works even better for you. Deities. Personally, I don't work with any deities outside of Europe. I try to stick to home as close as possible. I work with Hecate, a Greek goddess, and I'm still working out if even this is acceptable. And also, some deities are quite fickle, and if you approach them in the wrong way, or if you're not from the background that they're expecting, do you really want to piss them off? Also, I try to avoid working with voodoo, vodo, hoodoo, or any other practice that has African origins. Slaves' beliefs were vilified. Entire communities were subjugated or wiped out completely by colonizers. And African magic was often used in defense against white people stripping black people of their power. Now, I don't know if my ancestors were directly involved in the slave trade, but it's fair to say that they probably benefited from it in one way or another. So, out of respect, I stay clear of it. It wouldn't feel right for me to practice and dabble in these belief systems. 
I want to talk about crystals and while they don't fall under the term of appropriation, I feel they have a place within this episode. I work a lot with crystals and I collect them too, but their origins can be somewhat dark and the impact they have on the environment can be huge. They aren't sustainable, they aren't renewing on a daily basis, and the labour is often dangerous and underpaid. The places and countries where they are popularly mined from face huge human rights violations. Your healing crystal could have been mined by a child who was forced into the labour. It's ironic that they're touted for the positive vibes they emit, but no amount of these emissions can make up for the environment degradation and violation of human rights. I don't want to scare anyone, but this is a reality that we can't ignore. But there are ways to overcome this. Ask your crystal supplier the difficult questions. Where it comes from, how it was sourced and mined, there are many types of mining, and according to Hibiscus Moon, a well-established crystal healer, specimen mining, quote, usually has little or no direct impact on our planet. If the answers you get from your supplier seem vague, push, push, push. Also look out for hand mining. You could also buy secondhand, just make sure you cleanse them thoroughly. Aquarian Soul and Catcher Stones seem to be reputable online companies. I want to focus on Asia a little bit. Buying Buddha heads for decorative purposes, the same with Hindu statues, is, yeah, it's sacred appropriation again. I have prayer flags in my room that I've had for years. I've taken them down. Zen Buddhism is a sect of Mayayana Buddhism, and it emphasizes meditation and personal insight with a focus of benefiting others. And it really advocates a level of spirituality that can't be accessed through material items. So yoga has also been massively appropriated. And you can see this if you identify with some of these points. And I've got these points from everydayfeminism.com. If you only see it as a form of exercise, it's become its own brand of fitness, which fails to acknowledge the spiritual aspect of yoga. If you're in competition with yourself or someone else, you've lost the point of the practice. Failing to recognize the roots of yoga. If you get on board with yoga that is marketed as a hot new age trend, you're supporting a business model based on theft and disrespect for a thousand year old history. Some teachers say the Sanskrit equivalent to each pose. It can be deeply hurtful to those who hear their languages being misused, mispronounced and even laughed at. I found some questions on the Yoga Journal to explore the idea of you think your practice is exploitative, and it's by asking yourself questions like, do I really understand the history of the yoga practice I'm so freely allowed to practice today that was once ridiculed and prohibited by colonists in India? As I continue to learn, am I comfortable with the practices and purchases I'm choosing to make, or should I make some changes? Does the practice I live promote peace and integrity for all? Learn about its Hindu roots. When the British Empire colonised India, they banned yoga. Today, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, with its symbols, religious text, and certain veins of thought within yoga being grossly misused. Learn, question, and adapt. Ancient practices being stripped of their roots and essence can have detrimental effect on how we incorporate them and behave. A similar victim in regards to this, as well as yoga, is mindfulness. I came across this fascinating article by Ronald Persua called Mindfulness Conspiracy for the Guardian. Would really recommend that you read it if you're interested. And it proposed that, quote, instead of encouraging radical action, mindfulness says the causes of suffering are disproportionately inside us. 
not in the political and economic frameworks that shape how we live. Although derived from Buddhism, it's been stripped of the teaching on ethics that accompanied it, as well as the liberating aim of dissolving attachment to a false sense of self while enacting compassion for all other beings. What remains is a tool of self-discipline disguised as self-help. Instead of setting practitioners free, it helps them adjust to the very conditions that cause their problems. A truly revolutionary movement would seek to overturn this dysfunctional system, but mindfulness only serves to reinforce its destructive logic. Anything that offers success in our unjust society without trying to change it is not revolutionary. It just helps people cope. In Selling Spirituality, The Silent Takeover of Religion, Jeremy Carrot and Richard King argue that traditions of Asian wisdom have been subject to colonization and commodification since the 18th century, producing a highly individualistic spirituality, perfectly accommodated to dominant cultural values and requiring no substantive change in lifestyle. Personal troubles are never attributed to political or socio-economic conditions, but are always psychological in nature and diagnosed as pathologies. Society, therefore, needs therapy, not radical change. This is perhaps why mindfulness initiatives have become so attractive to government policymakers. Societal problems rooted in equality, racism, poverty, addiction and deteriorating mental health can be reframed in terms of individual psychology requiring therapeutic help. I think the message here is to be cautious as to what's being repackaged and resold. Subscribing to appropriated systems is not only harmful to its indigenous practitioners, but also potentially harmful for the future of our world. Question what you're being told to consume. I understand what I've said here is uncomfortable and difficult, but it is so vital to the future we want to build. The past is horrific and cannot be changed, and I have to acknowledge that I benefit from this past as a white man. But the future? That is ours to shape and craft in the way that we desire. I want to say thank you for listening. I'm sure it hasn't been easy, but it's crucial we have conversations around these topics. If you want to talk more, you can find me on Instagram at the Mange as well, and it's the same for Twitter. Come and say hi. The email for the podcast is themagerswell at gmail.com. Please get in touch with any questions, stories, or experiences that you want to share, and they might get featured. If you want to support the show, I've left my Patreon link in the description. You can subscribe to that sugar pot spell that I described. The address is patreon.com forward slash the majors well. If you wish to support the show, but you aren't in a financial position, that's okay. Tell your friends about the show, or you can leave a five-star review. I've left a link in the description. And honestly, this really helps the show get discovered. A big thank you to Corral St. Clair for the podcast artwork, and also Joel Julio and S-A-K-A-G 89 for the reviews. Peace out, bitches. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.